You are listening to episode 41 of the Remind Yourself podcast. Welcome to the Remind Yourself podcast, the podcast for physician moms just like you who want to ditch mom guilt, stop yelling, and start enjoying their lives today. I'm your host, Michelle Chestovich, certified life coach, family physician, and mom of four. If you want to overcome overwhelm for once and for all, this is the place for you. Hello, Mama Docs. Welcome back. As you know, I talk an awful lot about mental health, and I talk about how we can support us mamas. Today, I have a most wonderful guest who is a psychiatrist and a life coach for parents of kids who are struggling. She will share with us some ways that we can better take care of ourselves so we can better support our kids. Please enjoy. All right, everybody. Today, I have the most wonderful treat. Today, I have with me Dr. Kathleen Young, and I'm just going to hand over the microphone and let her introduce herself. Oh, Michelle, that was so fast. Anyway, I am Dr. Kathleen Young. I am a child, adolescent, and adult psychiatrist. I've been in private practice for like, I don't know, a million years, 15 years, not a million, but long. <laughs> and I, and I, now I'm a certified life coach and I coach parents primarily of teenagers and young adults um, who struggle with their mental health. But I am also going to be, nobody knows this yet because I haven't quite launched this, but I am going to be starting a group for um parents of younger kids as well who struggle with their mental health to try to see like you know what are the needs of parents of kids who are like more in the six to twelve age range and whether or not they're different because like right now I run a group of mostly um parents of adolescents and young adults like college age students and so I'm trying to figure out like how I can best serve parents needs um yeah so that's who I am Oh my gosh, that is so fantastic because as you know, I speak to a big community of physician moms and when you're a mother, kids have issues. And so often I hear from moms who feel bad about the fact that their children are struggling. So tell me, how did you get into this coaching of parents, right? Why is it such a great need? Yeah, I think that, um, well, I mean, I came to coaching Oh, it was sort of some long convoluted path, but well, not really. I did a weight loss program with Katrina Ubel. Um, and I really loved the framework of coaching. And, you know, it is, it is sort of like cognitive behavioral therapy, this idea that, um, you know, thoughts create feelings which drive our actions. And that's sort of like the, the idea of cognitive behavioral therapy. So I always kind of knew that that was happening, but I never really like invested in understanding that and kind of doing that in my practice. And it just really made sense to me. Like I have a very analytical mind. And so this idea is almost like a formula. It's like you have a circumstance and then your thoughts, and then that creates a feeling which drives an action and then it creates a result. And that just very much made sense to me. I had an, I'm like an engineering um, background. So like all of those formula type things make sense to me. And so, like I said, I've been, I've been in private practice for 15 years and I've worked a lot with kids with a lot of teenagers and some younger kids. And I think over the years where I felt there was this gap, you know, for parents 
And I, you know, and, and, and I think parents, when they have a kid who's struggling, you know, you bring your kid to treatment. And often, you know, what gets left out is the fact that parents actually need support around it too. And then it's this awkward thing, like, do they get support from their kids' doctors? Do they get their own person? Like, how does it work? And I think a lot of parents, when you try to also direct them to therapy, like not all of them connect with that idea because they don't necessarily think that they have some pathology that they need to work out in therapy. So, you know, there were times when people would kind of resist that too, because it didn't feel quite like what they need. And so when I participated in coaching and then became certified, I was like, that is it. You know, all these years I've like, who works with parents, who works with parents and like nobody really works specifically with parents. They'll see parents for therapy or they'll, you know, see people in family therapy, but nobody was really working with parents and I felt like parents needed help. So here I am. That's how I got into it. Oh my gosh. And I'm so grateful that you did. And I will just have to say that with the pandemic, I, as a family doc, see a lot of adolescents and adults. Of course, I see the whole family and I'm seeing such an upswing in anxiety and depression, which I know you do too, as a psychiatrist, but again, not only in my own family have I had my teens have some struggles um, that are new, but also just with patients, like, of course, the parents need support too, right? Because mm -hmm. again, a lot of us, particularly mamas, turn inward and start to say like, what did I do wrong? Do mm -hmm. you hear that? Mm -hmm. And I think it's like, so it's a little bit, I'm sorry, I just plugged in my real microphone. <laughs> so it sounds different. Yay, upload. Um, I just realized I hadn't have it. Um, yeah, I think, I think that, I mean, with regard to the pandemic, I think we have seen an uptick all along. And I, I really do believe that the mental health system is like flooded right now and overrun. And there just it, aren't enough providers out there for everybody who needs help. But I think that particularly this fall, we've seen an even bigger uptick in, in need because, and I, this is my theory, I don't know that it's been, it hasn't been studied or anything like that. Nobody's come out and said it, but, you know, we as a country, as a world or whatever, a population have all suffered this sort of collective trauma. And then we've looked to our kids to just like go back to school this fall. as like nothing happened as if nothing happened. And many of them are really not handling it well. And so I've seen like worse, you know, I've seen people who've been stable for a really long time kind of falling apart a little bit. And then I've seen a, like a flood in, you know, an influx of new people really having a hard time. And I think it really has to do with that. And even, you know, adults too, it's not just the kids, it's adults are going back to work. Like we're just sort of expected to go back to business as usual. And it's not really business as usual. We just have this big thing happen. So it makes sense that you're seeing more anxiety and mood issues and uh, some other stuff creep up. And I don't remember your original question. <laughs> no, I was just like, oh, like, was that so important? And again, I think that I was just saying, do you see, because a lot of us mamas turn inward and start to blame ourselves. Like, what did I do wrong? Yeah. Do yeah, you see that? I see that. And then I see a lot of um, anxiety about, you know, I think specifically for physician moms, because we're so used to being able to solve the problem or figure out what the problem is, you know, as doctors, that's what we do. We like diagnose the problem and then we have a treatment plan. I think in particular for people who function a little bit more like that, this is hard because with mental health, it's not really a linear path most of the time. 
It's not a shot of <laughs> Exactly. And it can take a while and it can be a journey and you have to kind of trust that you're doing the right thing and that it's going to be okay. And that's really what I'm, I work in large part with parents on is really like being able to kind of develop trust. And I, I say like self-trust. So trust in your decision-making trust that, you know, what's right for your child, trust in your child. So maybe not younger kids, but for teenagers and young adults that they they know what's best for them. Now, they don't always necessarily make decisions from that place. But I think like if you really can kind of peel back and ask them and have a really, you know, meaningful conversation with them, they often know what's best for them. They may not want it. They may be afraid of it, but they often know. And then trust in the process, you know, trusting providers, you're sort of trusting these other people to like be meeting with your kid every week and talking to them about these really serious issues and trusting that they're telling you what you need to know, that they're on top of it, that they're managing it, that your kid's not gonna go off and do something to harm themselves. And I think that that's really, you know, where people have a hard time. And so, you know, as physicians where I was like, well, let's just like Google it and look up the studies and all this other stuff. And so we wanna, keep trying to figure out what's going to make it better right now because we don't want to wait. And so that's really what I am working with people about is sort of accepting acceptance of like what's going on and getting out of the fix it like physician mode and into the supporting your kids in their process and their journey mode and then developing this trust. And yeah, that's what I'm doing. I would think that so many parents have just such fear and what do we do when we feel afraid, right? We try to control things, right? Until you understand this thought model that you and I work with in our coaching, and then we help people realize that they want to feel a certain way. First of all, how are you feeling and what are you thinking that creates those feelings? You know, people often think they need to like control the situation in order to feel better. And I guess you're saying like, that's not true. We have to learn how to trust. How do people learn how to trust when they just want their kid better yesterday? Well, I think it's a process. You know, I thought I, I, it took me a long time to even really figure out what that is. You know, when someone's like, you just have to have self-trust. I'm like, what in the world is that? But we have it. I mean, think about it, like going to medical school and, you know, getting out into practice. Like you, there are a lot of areas in your life where you are trusting, right? You trust that, you know, you trust you made a good decision. You trust that it's going to work out. So it's kind of thinking on purpose, like, yes, we have a plan. My child has a great doc. Mm-hmm. We're working with a therapist. It's going to be okay. Just kind of like being more deliberate, right? To create yeah. that feeling for yourself. And deciding that, that you know that you'll be able to figure it out no matter what. And I think that's the other thing. I mean, as physicians, we're very resourceful people. Okay, yeah. we, Like how many things have you not been able to figure out? You know, it doesn't mean it wasn't hard. It doesn't mean that you didn't have to do work, but like we can figure it out. So like, no matter what comes up, you can figure it out and be okay. And I think that that's where the trust is, is trusting in your ability to manage, you know, we're highly resourceful people. I I agree with you. (laughs) I agree with you 110%. And yet I know people when they are a parent and their child is suffering and struggling with anxiety, depression, that sort of thing. um, Maybe some thoughts of self-harm, who knows their brain is going to freak out. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, how could this happen? What do I do? This is an emergency. And so what would be the best place for these folks who are feeling this initial diagnosis or their child comes to them saying, you know, I'm really over my head here. What are your thoughts on that? 
Yeah. And I think it's really to kind of slow down, you know, and I think it's okay. It's really naturally natural to be afraid to worry. And, you know, so I think it is like kind of taking it one step at a time. Allow that maybe. Allowing yourself to be scared and, and know that that's natural. And then really kind of um, being able to shift into like, I'm scared and I also know I can handle this. I'm scared and I will figure it out or I'm scared, but I know this is the best decision for my child. You know, and this comes up like going on medication or hospitalizing your kid or changing a to a different school or whatever it is, like these big decisions where it feels like there's so much on the line all the time, understanding that like, it will be okay. And I'll tell everybody out there listening, cause I say this all the time to the parents in my group yeah. is that like, I've seen a lot <laughs> and I've seen people come back from a lot and still go on. It's almost like they take this like detour away from, um, you know, from the path that we think you're supposed to be on and they end up being okay you know, whether they go to like, go on to graduate high school and go on to whatever, some Ivy league college or something, but like they figure it out. And so it's not, there's not like, I I think we get into this place where you feel like every single decision is going to change the course of your kid's life forever. And it does and it doesn't, but like, you know, typically it's not just one decision that's going to like make this horrible, dramatic like terrible right. thing happened to your kid. I can, I can see though how that could come up. For, so for example, if someone needs to pause school for a bit to do like intensive therapy, mm-hmm. how someone's brain might freak out and say like, oh my gosh, they're never going to graduate. They're not going to even get a job. And mm-hmm. so you're just saying, hey, you know, this is maybe a little detour and then things can get back on track. Yeah. But to just like console your brain a little bit, like, hey, we don't know exactly what's going to come, but it, it's likely going to work out. I'll help figure it out. Yeah. And, and that's just it. And, and look, and, and to, and to really like ask yourself, like, what is the worst that could happen? Like, even if your kid doesn't graduate on the timeline that they're on, like they can still go to college. They can still go on to get a job. Like these things can still happen. And I think we get so locked into this idea that like things have to happen in a certain order or there's a problem. That is what creates a lot of this anxiety. You know, there's this really like one of the parents in my group the other night, he said this thing that like, because I said, you know, part of it is our brains want certainty. And like, we know that like, if you do something in a certain order, you're likely to have some result. You know, if you go to high school and college, and then you get a job. And he said, yes. And also society tells us that that's the way we're supposed to do it. And he said, and I really think that this is so key. And he said, we need to get to a place where we can help our kids understand or people understand that taking a different path can be just as good. And I think that's sort of like the essence of all this is that your kids are on a different path and that's okay. And it can be just as good as the path you think that they're going to be, they should be on. Right. Because who really knows, right? It's just all in our head anyway. So what do you want to choose to believe? I say this to my kids sometimes like, well, I might not do great. I'm like, but you might do awesome. So like, which one do you want to choose to focus on? Right. So I love yeah. that you're there to help support parents in this like scary time for them. Wouldn't you say yeah. most people come to you feeling pretty afraid? They do. And I think that also, I, I think, you know, I run a, I run a group, a coaching group and I love group because I think it's just a time to one, see that you're not the only person going through it. Yes. I think that's it's so it can be so isolating because parents don't often want to talk to other people about what's happening because they think that their kid is the only kid with problems, which isn't true. But I think also 
you know, these are, these other parents, like, you know, I'm coaching everybody, but these other parents are like living this stuff. So they've had to, you know, they're all at different spots. So some of them have had to make these same decisions or had to go through the same stuff or they're coming, you know, and I think they can draw on the wisdom and the strength of each other as well. And I think it's just a really important um, dynamic. And then the other thing I was going to say is that I also think when you're freaking out like that, if you can bring that to the group, if you can bring that to coaching and not to your kid, like you're going to be so much better off because your kid is freaking out. Your kid is falling apart. And if they feel like you're falling apart, they're not going to talk to you. Like they're not going to come to you because they think that they want to protect you and they want to know you're okay. And they're not going to want to tell you what's going on. So it's good to bring your stuff to someone else and deal with it there. That is such an amazing point. And this is like for over the years as being a physician and taking care of families, I'm like, yeah, just have someone to talk to, like a therapist, a coach, someone. And now I believe it all the more. And I think that's so true, right? Because even if you try to keep it under wraps, if you will, and we're shoving down our emotions, it often comes out sideways and our kids recognize that we're not doing well. Mm-hmm. Right. So mm-hmm. it's sort of like the old adage, like take care of us and our needs. Mm-hmm. Right. By yeah, being I, a therapist or working with a coach. So then we can show up better for the kids. I love 100%. that. Like I have, I've worked with adolescents a long time and I love them, but I'll tell you, they will say like, I'm having this, this I'm thinking about this, but don't tell my mom or don't tell my parents because they're going to freak out and they know, and they, they really, it's not that you're not supposed to be worried, but I think the more you can allow them to come to you and fall apart. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh. It get just hurts my heart that kids are saying like, don't tell my mom because I don't yeah. want to bother her. Cause like, there's so much love there. Right. And it just mm-hmm. goes to show too, as humans, like we want to protect each other, but mm-hmm. we can do better. Here's another question that I have. So your work is primarily with teens and now some younger kids, the parents, right? Mm -hmm. Of folks who have a diagnosis. Mm -hmm. What would you share with moms who are listening right now? They may have that. And again, we'll share the information how they can sign up with you. But what about moms who just have like a handful of children at home and they're just feeling like the everyday angst and stress about their children and that, again, often a lot of self-blame. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, you're not alone. And this isn't your fault. Like, I think that's, that's what I, I think is so important to underscore. And I know you do this, Michelle. It's like, just, just to really explain, it's like, this isn't your fault. Naughty is, is not my fault. No, it, this is happening in families all across the country. Yes. It's just so easy for us to like, not want to talk about these kinds of things. Like, yeah, sometimes life is really hard and it's okay to ask for help and you don't have to be you don't have to have it all figured out. And I think that's what I would say to moms. Like, it's okay. And it will probably end up okay, but it's okay to ask for help and to talk about it to somebody else if you feel like you're having a hard time. So good. I just want to like carry around some flags and like go do a little parade saying, it's okay, mamas. You're, it's okay. We're here for you. And you're not alone, right? Like probably if you go ring your next door neighbor's door, they are probably also struggling. So to talk about it, I think is also good. Right. Yeah. Like and then to remember, you know, I think that we as moms in this society are sort of expected to think motherhood is this amazing thing that like we should love and feel rainbows and daisy. Yeah, and we should be in bliss all the time. And so that if you're not like that, there's something wrong with you. And 
I think that that's just really not true. I mean, sure, there's some people who want to be around their kids like 24 hours a day and it's amazing and everything about it is amazing. But for most people, that's not the case. And there's like a wide range. And so, again, you're not doing it wrong. It doesn't mean that you don't love your kids or that you made a mistake, but it just means that you're human. And like, I don't want to be around anybody all the time. (laughs) No, we don't need a break. But I think it is, and I think it's just societal pressures that we think not only do we want to just like love every moment, but that then our children's behavior reflects upon us. Now, this is something I've asked my husband about. When I open the kid's bedroom door and it's a disaster, I'm learning to get over this, but my default thought is often, what have I done wrong? Mm -hmm. My husband says, no, 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 my default thought is they're just, you know, really messy. Interesting. And that's just it. It's like some kids are messy and some aren't, aren't and it's not, okay. it's not your parenting. There's a, but it is. Can you say that again? Say that <laughs> one more time. Seriously, for the people in the back, say it again. Some kids are messy, some are not, and it's not your parenting. And some kids have problems and some kids don't. And it's not anything that you did. And I yes. think that, I mean, sure, there's things you can do to make that, you know, be a little bit different and help them. But like, it's not your fault. And I think that's, but it's so, but you know, look, we've all been there. Like the kid that's screaming in the restaurant and everybody's looking at the parent, like, what are, why can't you make your kid be different? And that's really where the blame comes. And I think that's why people don't want to talk to other people about what's going on because, you know, like I've had parents say to me, well, my friend just told me that like, I should really look into disciplining my child differently. And it's really not about that. Some kids just, are wired differently and they are going to have a tantrum in the restaurant and you can't do anything about it. And it's not your fault. I think because we just need to be more understanding of other people and the fact that they're doing the best they can and stop judging them. Yes. Stop judging others and then stop judging ourselves, mamas. Yes. Oh my gosh. That is such helpful information. So that's awesome. What else have I not asked you that you think would be really important for listeners to hear about the work that you're doing to help parents? I think it's really just like, you know, I always, I do a workshop sometimes that's called how to best help your struggling teen. And I think I break down it into these three areas that I think are really important. So for those of you, if you have a kid, maybe even if they aren't diagnosed, but you know, that they seem to be struggling right now is I, I, I put first and foremost, this like knowing that you can be okay, no matter what happens next. So that's sort of that self-trust that like, I will figure it out and I don't need my kid to be better for me to be okay. I'm just going to be okay. And I think that that, because when you're, when your kids don't feel like it's their responsibility to make you okay by being better, by not being moody, by not getting better, then it just makes it easier for them to just focus on getting better. So it's that. It's like focusing on your relationships with your kids and your co-parent. I say that because when you, when you focus on, like sometimes, you know, I think when you have a kid who's like not doing well in school or having a hard time, I think we can get so entrenched in this. Come on, you got to do the assignments. You got to get the work done. You got to da, 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 da. And it ends up creating a lot of tension in your relationship. And I think that, you know, trying to prioritize the relationship so you can create trust in the relationship. You know, I I was working with a dad who was always fighting with his son and it was negative all the time. And he was like, I just feel really bad about that. And I said, look, just put all the expectations to the side for right now, not forever, but for right now. And just try to have a good time with him. Just focus on enjoying your son. And it was like a total game changer for him. That doesn't mean that they don't come back around, that you won't come back around and sort of 
rebuild expectations, but like stop the fighting. It's not getting yeah. you anywhere. It's not it's getting not helping anywhere. anything. Yeah. And then like really like, and then like the third thing is the treatment options. And I think that, you know, I get it. I'm a parent. I understand it can feel really scary when you don't know exactly like you've never, you know, a lot of people don't necessarily want to put their kids on medication or put them in the hospital or this or that. And I, what I try to tell people is like, try to put your fear, your fear to the back burner. Cause sometimes it's like, well, I don't want medication. And you get, they get so focused on what they don't want versus like, what does your kid need? Like, what do they need and how do we get there? And I think if you can really sort of shift that, you're going to be in good shape. And those are like the three, I think those are the three main things. And the one myth, I'm going to give you guys the myth. There's a myth, in my opinion, that parents have to be on the same page, right? And think about how much fighting you guys do to get on the same page with your spouse or co-parent or whatever. And that's why I say relationships with your kid and your co-parent, because you really just want to focus on getting along with your co-parent more so than like being on the same page. You don't have to agree with everything. You can, you don't have to agree about anything, but the fighting is what creates problems. Yes. Yes. And I don't know if you find it helpful, but like also focusing on like, is there a goal that we have in mind that we could say is similar? Like, yeah, we want our child to feel better. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that that really helps. It's almost just like this acceptance and unconditional love for either the child or our partner. I talked to so many moms about this in my coaching, right? They're like, oh, I have this troubled child and all these things. I'm like, okay, that's great. But like the way even you're talking about it is really making you upset. I always love to ask the question, what are you forgetting to remember about your kiddo? Kind of like you were saying that this dad focused on the things that he enjoyed because there's so much more to the relationship than just this one bit. Yes. Yes. Or to this child than just their, you know, they are not their anxiety. They are not their depression. Yes. It affects a lot of their life, but when you just focus on that, it clouds the relationship. Totally. And think also, you know, if you're trying to help your child learn how to do things differently, like clean their room or whatever, if you guys have a strained relationship, they're not going to listen to you. They're not going to want to talk about it. Every time you bring it up, there's going to be a fight. Versus if you have a strong relationship, it's going to be so much easier to have a conversation about how do we deal with this? Oh my gosh. That is just brilliant, brilliant information. So I know that many of my listeners are just thinking to themselves, Come on, let's get to the point where I can like sign up with Dr. Kathleen already. So how can people find you? How can they follow along with the excellent work that you're doing? Oh, come so many ways. So uh, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Dr. Kathleen with a K young um, dot coaching. So it's Dr. Kathleen young dot coaching. Or you can go to my website, which is um, www.kyoungmdcoaching.com. And then you can find me or just yes. ask Michelle. <laughs> yes. Well, seriously, everybody go check her out. If you have a child who's struggling, believe me, some time with Dr. Kathleen is going to make all the difference. It just helps put your mind at ease to know, Hey, I'm not alone. There's support. And by doing, you know, the, the bricks that you talked about, right. The, the self-trust and the relationship mm-hmm. building and the plan, it really is benefit everybody. So I so appreciate you taking time to speak to my listeners today. And thank you so much for the good work you're doing. Because again, I know that there, the anxiety and depression has skyrocketed. So too, then the parents are having struggles as well. So thank you for being there, not only for the adolescents, which I think are lovely yet challenging, <laughs> yes. but for the parents 
who are like living with these kiddos and trying to help them feel better. It's such important work. Yes. Thank you, Michelle, for having me. It's always fun to talk to you. So this has been a really fun experience for me. And I love all the work that you're doing too. Thank you. And uh, we'll have to maybe do it again next time. Another time, because your comment about like how to help uh, kids clean the rooms. I know my uh, mama docs would love to hear more about that. So maybe we'll have a second episode. Yes. Sounds good. All right. Thank you. All right. Bye. Are you ready to take control of your life and put these tools into action? I'm here to help. I offer free consultations for physician moms to see if my one-on-one coaching package is right for you. You can sign up for a free consult at www.mamadoclifecoach.com.